Welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 148. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I have two beans on the line with me. Tonight we've got Chewy. How's it going mate? Good mate, how are you? Pretty good. And we've also got Cracker. How's it going Cracker? Good mate. Glad to have you boys back again. Hope you enjoyed your weeks away. You've been holding down the fort. Yeah, it was all right. Stuart and I had a good time last week, but it's always <laughs> nice to have you guys back as well. Yep, and you finally achieved the mythical short podcast that- Yeah, 40 minutes or something like that. Promising forever. <laughs> that was like our original target length, right? And then somebody put Chewy on the cast. And, yeah. I'm not surprised that the short cast was the one- Yeah, I wasn't on, so- yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. All good. We can make up for it this week. Yeah, uh, we will. Yeah, probably. Yep, yep. Well, you said earlier you were going to rant about standards, so I'm looking forward to that. No, no, not ranting. I, th- I think I think you were, it was misspeaking, but that's yep. fine. Yep. Uh, all good. No, it was good. Uh, yeah, I uh, I went on a working holiday, as you said, Cracker. I uh, <laughs> took annual leave from my job to go and work doing another you, job. You, so you're not good fine. at holiday, Shorty. Go back to Bali, mate. That's that's a proper holiday. <laughs> yep, yep. No, it was good though. Got to catch up with my brothers down in Tassie and yeah, earned myself a little bit of uh, side money to pay for the Sydney weekend <laughs> coming up later in the year because I uh, think that's going to be an expensive weekend. It's going to be awesome though. Looking forward to it. My sure hearing, is. my hearing has just about recovered. I've forgotten how loud live gigs were. It's been yeah. a couple of years since we've had them uh, and I uh, went to see yeah one of my faves i first saw these guys in like 2001 at the waterloo hotel in brizzy the butterfly nice. factor for those who didn't know and there was about 30 people in the room back then uh so fair to say they've they've done all right for themselves over the journey but <laughs> yeah it was uh it was it was good they played all the bangers so nice. yeah it was uh it was good fun yeah I've, I've seen them play a couple of times they're always pretty good live but yeah certainly a band where you want to be bringing the earplugs and putting those yeah in. i think i've crossed that threshold now where i I think I need to. So, yeah, yeah definitely Your next plugs time. are great, man. Yeah. yeah 10 out of 10 <laughs> would recommend. It makes quite a big difference. You only need one, though, don't you, Craig? All right, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. All right. Well, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. So, Chewy, I think it must be your turn to do the sponsor shout out. I was sitting here quietly hoping that you'd throw to me because I love talking about the fine folk over at Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction group with nightly auctions and uh, win it now posts. They give away many, many things as uh, new sets are released and just all round a great organization and foster a great community, including sponsoring us. Uh, they are the official sponsor of the Magic Beans podcast and our tournament series, uh, which our final league for the year is just coming to a close. And we'll, uh, we'll start spruiking our final stream very, very shortly. But all of that is only possible through their support. So go and check out jpmtgbazaar.com.au and that will take you straight to their uh, Facebook page and you can get bidding. And when you pick up some bargains, Please tell them that the beans sent you. Very good. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we've got a few just sort of news things to to go through this week. I mean, we've we've done quite a lot of news podcasts over the last couple of weeks, but yeah, just thought we'd we'd touch on a few little things. Uh, and uh, yeah, first thing we'll just sort of run through these fairly quickly. I think the first thing was we had a whole bunch more secret layers uh, dropped this week. I think they did another one of those super drops where they. Uh, they dropped a whole bunch at the same time, and 
we were all looking at these before we started recording, and uh, some of these are very, very nice. Uh, I'll run through just quickly what we've got here, and uh, yeah, you can you know just go to secretlair.wizards.com to go and pick them up if you're that way inclined. But we knew there was a Post Malone secret lair coming, and uh, we weren't expecting it for a while. But hey, turns out they had it ready to go. So there's two Post Malone secret lair drops. One is some normal cards that have been re. They've got the like the Godzilla treatment, and then the others are just some basic lands. With how would you describe what's on these basic lands, Cracker? Scribbles, um, <laughs> art from my five-year-old, uh, doodling. Yeah, I don't know. Someone yes. who was bored in maths in year seven. <laughs> yes, it just looks like the the little scribblings that you do in the like it, it, at the top of your page in your workbook yep. when you're yep. at school and yeah that sort of thing. So anyway, if that floats your boat and you're a post Malone fan, get into that. Uh, we had three more Warhammer based secret layer drops which actually look really cool and, and i think chewy you would be pretty keen to snap these up as well uh there's a 40k orcs one of the orcs missed out on the commander decks so it was cool to see them get a, a secret layer so they look pretty sweet some cool art on those there's a age of sigma one so age of sigma is like the new version of warhammer fantasy that that you and i played for many years chewy it's they sort of rebranded and changed the rule set a little bit and now it's called warhammer age of sigma but yeah that's a, a fantasy one and then there's a Blood Bowl one, which not a lot of people know about, but Blood Bowl is a Warhammer-adjacent game, I guess. Like, it's set it's in the like Warhammer a, world. It's like a, uh, it's like you were playing Warhammer and someone cast Sharazad or Ultimate of Big Time. You had to play a sub-game. <laughs> yes, right? so a sub-game they, they of, out, of NFL. <laughs> yeah, so they brought out uh, a few sort of spin-off things. Mordheim was really, really popular, where you yeah. went from you know, a full army to, you know, a, a dozen or so models. Uh, then, yeah, they brought out, like, NFL. And then there was, a like, a 40K one. Yeah, it was uh, Necromunda. Necromunda, but there was also yeah. an, another one that didn't go so well. But uh, yeah. but Necromunda and Mordheim were great. Uh, played a bunch of those there. Awesome. I played a little bit of Blood Bowl. Uh, actually bought the game, but never really played it a lot. But you've played a fair bit of it, right? No, I've actually never never no. played Blood Bowl. Oh, right. No. Okay. No, like I've, I've sort of known about it, but yeah, never, never actually played I've got played the it. original box set, like with the foam uh, playboard and everything. So I've oh, just okay. ne- never really played it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, because oh, I'm a massive cool. Warhammer nerd. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. Those, the cards in that Secret Lair drop are, are very cool and very, very thematic. They've, they've got the Godzilla treatment as well, where they're, they've renamed some of the cards and uh, yeah, given them some really cool art. So go and check those out. There is uh, If Looks Could Kill, which is uh, fashion models, magic. It says when magic and fashion collide. So, yeah, we've got some planeswalkers and some creatures with some interesting fashion artwork. Uh, then there's two artist special drops. It's as fair a... to say that there's a secret lair for everybody. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think, like, <laughs> I look at this product and go, not for me. But I could yeah, definitely yeah. see the appeal. Like, they're cool, but yeah. anybody who's yeah, seen me dress like know it. that fashion isn't. <laughs> don't know, I might Your fashion ends at cardigans, and that's, yeah, that's where it goes. <laughs> With elbow patches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the, uh. That's where it's at. Oh, that's, it's. That that's the director cor- meeting, that one. That that with some corduroy pants is like having, <laughs> that, that is like having KCI with, uh, with a mox opal and, and a scrap trawler in play, you know, like it's just, it's that good. 
So. Illegal is is what you're telling me. <laughs> yes, banned yes. everywhere. Banned, <laughs> banned everywhere. <laughs> oh, and some doctor oh, so thrown good. in there. Ooh. Oh, yep. that's why I'm, I know what I'm wearing to work on Friday. That's good. <laughs> the same thing you wear every day. <laughs> yeah, that's the same pair of tracky pants. And, I was going to say, yeah. except for when he's at home and he's in track pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yep. That's right. All right, so yeah, there was a couple of artist specials. So there was, I'm probably going to butcher these names, but it, I'm assuming this is Jun, Junji Ito. Uh, so there's some black and white art styles, and you can get these in Japanese and English, which is pretty cool. And then there's some that look, oh boy, these things look amazing. Uh, Yoji Shinkawa, which also comes in Japanese and English. And I highly recommend you go and check out the art for these cards. These are, like, how would you describe what these are? They're like s- schematic drawing sort of things? Do you know what they They're like me sketch of? watercolors, I think you'd describe them, in like a manga style. Yeah, anybody who's seen the original, like the, the animated Ghosts in the Shell? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, or like I, that, some Evangelion kind of vibes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. yes, yeah, that skull clamp, man. Or oh, I, I, oh. I just have to buy it. Yeah, yeah. And they the, gotcha. yeah, Tez, <laughs> Metamorph, and Solemn all go into my you know Joyra Commander deck, like just ready to go. So I just have to buy it. Yeah, they are, they are very, very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 30, thirty US for the non foil, and uh, yeah, then just pay like fifty bucks in shipping. So enjoy that. Uh, then there's the space beyond the stars, uh, the weirdest pets in the multiverse, and totally spaced out galaxy foil edition. So there's a bunch of just random cards in uh, in those ones there. So yeah, heaps of heaps of uh, secret layers. If that floats your boat, go and check them out. They are not cheap, but they're obviously doing very well for wizards. So. Uh, you found, Cracker, a... Where'd you mm. find this? Is this a tweet from someone? Yeah, it was a random Twitter thing, you know, you find. It was just scrolling Twitter. Uh, I found a thing called 30 Years of Magic Products. We, I, I don't do this to Shorty very often, but we might put a link to this one in the show notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'll put it in the actual show notes. Uh, it's it's a graph or graphic of the 30 Years of Products, and, and so it's like a little line chart starting in 93 with Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, and Arabian Nights, and I think that that's um, Collector's Edition as well. Yeah, yeah. In there, and then it goes through from 93 all the way through to 2022, and just how many products are printed. And <laughs> let's just say it doesn't stay at four <laughs> very many times. It goes up and down a, a bit, and it's, you it, know, it's it like is. four to eight up until basically like, what, 2016, 2017, and then, yeah. Bad. Goes off the chart. Goes it goes to the point where they can't fit it on the chart, and they just have to put numbers like last year. <laughs> what like a dozen products plus forty six secret layers, and then this year is twenty six. I counted before plus another right. forty eight secret layers. <laughs> so that does include like digital releases. So you've got things like historic anthologies and you know alchemies and whatever. But yikes, a lot of commander products there as well. There's a lot of commander products. It's 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 just interesting, right? Like, I'm not trying to prove a point or say anything with this. I just found it and I was like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Like, no wonder we have a hard time keeping up with everything that's coming out now. Yeah, it's, yeah you it shows you possibly that buy it, it all. No, uh, it, it shows that it's, you know, as a brand, as an organization, they're doing well. Uh, you know, they keep making products. Because I think back to, uh, you know, around 2000 and- 2004 
there was talk about, you know, of, you know, Hasbro going to just like sell the rights to magic and, and all of this stuff. And, uh, and then we had, uh, you know, like Ravnica came and it was awesome. And then Time Spiral came and it kind of saved magic from there. And then like the Lorwyn sets and, uh, you know, it just got like magic then had like this sort of second wind. It had this uh, dynasty uh, and then, they they just haven't let up they just like kept pumping out the the uh the products from there so but if you have a look you know there's a lot in on this curve there was a lot of a lot of products a lot of products and then all oh, things started to slide and then there was the mistake that was the Mirrodin block and then Kamigawa wasn't very popular and then yeah along came Ravnica and kind of saved the day but they just have not taken their foot off the gas it's uh it's have you seen the Fast and Furious movies where they have 11 <laughs> million gears and then NOS? Because I feel like we're about to hit the NOS button. <laughs> if we haven't already, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah that's, maybe keep, that's what the secret layers is. That it's like, bah, secret layers. <laughs> oh, you know what we're going to have then? We're going to have secret layer family. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, very good. But yeah, I, I will. Uh, I will post the link for that in the show notes. So if you want to check out that graphic, it is, it is quite interesting because it is wow. That it's it's a lot of products. Mm. All right, continuing on through the new stuff. So Magic Online, it got announced uh, like a couple of months ago, I think, that the Magic Online servers were getting changed and taken over by Daybreak Games, which is a company that basically sort of keeps like MMO RPG games that are kind of dying. It like keeps their servers alive so that people can continue playing them. And people were like, oh, okay. So what does that, does that mean? Like Magic Online's dying and, you know, it, this is just, you know, it's it's in the uh, in the hospital ward and we're just kind of keeping it afloat or what does it mean? And apparently that's not what it means. Uh, Daybreak have come out and said that they will be, you know, continuing to make improvements and, you know, new sets will continue to be added to the game and all that sort of stuff. But it's kind of pretty vague at the moment. Uh, that, so it sounds so that, like a data center move to me. Yeah, but well, it's it's like it's changing the responsibility away from the wizards team that's been mm-hmm. maintaining all that sort of stuff. So I would assume that that then frees those people up to, well, I guess, work on arena stuff instead of Magic Online stuff. So yeah, it, it, it's it's now. I, I imagine the way it would work now is that wizards go, all right, here's the new cards we're going to put on. They send them over to Daybreak Games, and then Daybreak Games have to program them all into magic online and then i think um, a bunch of the team actually came across with it as well yeah i'd imagine that would be the case yeah yep but yeah so that happened this week uh the Mm. uh, a couple of days ago i think so i haven't heard any news about whether that was successful or if there was any glitches or anything okay yeah so uh apparently it's worked really well yeah i saw a few people tweeting today how fast it was launching and instead of it being like 30 seconds to boot up it was a couple of seconds and oh wow just general speed improvements on being on newer hardware i guess so yeah right it's probably positive things on the the same hardware for the last 20 years or whatever i mean excel doesn't need a lot in terms of processing power um compared to powerpoint the arena is and they improved they added some features right with like um some auto tapping and stuff with the lanes i think yeah okay uh, but the big thing that I heard this week with the change is that Wizards is effectively phasing out redemptions. So this is a big thing. Uh, uh, would actually be good to get um, Chris's opinion on this because he redeems a lot of sets on Magic Online. That's how he sort of gets his collections. You, If you don't know, one thing you can do on Magic Online is you can purchase all the cards and then when you have one of each card of a set, you can then 
trade in those cards and pay a fee, and then Wizards ship you a sealed one of of every card from that set. So you get a lot of people that's you know either just just buy huge collections on Magic Online and then just cash them in and get all the physical cards and then you know hopefully they're they're actually worth money and that sort of thing. But that's something that's been going on for for a very long time. And Wizards has come out and said we're we're basically phasing that out. They've been restricting it further and further and further. It used to be that you could redeem sets for ages, like after after a set released, and then they changed it to smaller and smaller windows. And now I think it's only like two months or something like that where you can you can actually redeem the set, but they're basically going to be going, all right, for each set that comes out, we're going to print X amount of redemption sets. And once those sets are gone, that's it. So it's first in best dress to redeem your sets. And then after that, there's no more redemptions of that sets. And then that will then lead to them then no longer doing supporting more redemption sets as they sort of go along. So that's an interesting change. It'll be an interesting finance topic topic to look at at some point in the future. And yeah, maybe we can get Chris on for that and see how much that's going to affect this. But it may not have a huge impact because, I mean, standard cards just aren't that expensive at the moment. It used to be a really big thing when standard was heavily played. So we'll keep an eye on that and see how it goes. Uh, next thing on the topics was a rules update. So, Cracker, you're our rules person. We had a, mm-hmm. a little article that came out this week with a whole bunch of rules changes, but 90% of them are Unfinity or Unset-related things that we really don't care about. But Yep. The first three are uh, are interesting, so you want to give us a run through those? Yeah, for sure. So we've got copying at legendary permanence. So it's saying that we've decided to uh, if it isn't if this creature isn't legendary. So they're just cleaning up a bunch of the rules text, basically. So they're saying that you know there's no functional change. The only difference is making a permanent that isn't legendary continue choose to not be legendary. It's it's kind of a weird corner case where you clone things that say you know this is no longer legendary for the clones is my understanding so yeah it's just a bunch yeah. of extra text that kind of doesn't really need to be there we think about yep. how wordy the obnixless planeswalker is exactly you know it, they could have you know saved a couple of lines there so yeah create a copy of this card that is no longer a legendary blah 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 so it's like yeah okay yeah it's yeah. kind of redundant yep yeah you can just sort of assume that if you're making a copy of something it is not a legendary copy mm-hmm Yep. Um, the other thing is landfall, which has been a keyword for a, a long time or an ability word, uh, and they haven't always used it. It's been restricted to different planes. So it's usually like a Zendikar kind of thing, right? Where you have landfall, you, a land enters the battlefield and it makes you know your creature get plus one, plus oh, or something like that, some effect. They're literally just saying instead of having the slab of text now, when a land enters the battlefield under your control, it'll just say landfall. And everyone will know what that means, which is good. It also cleans up, you know, some of the things that that triggers off. There'll be other things that refer to landfall, which is nice. And then same with surveil. They've done the same thing there. The first card on this list that they've listed that they're updating is consider. And I remember when consider was previewed in Midnight Hunt where I'm a cast. I was like, why? This is literally just consider like surveil. We've just come out of that. Why aren't they keywording it that way again? And it didn't make any sense to me. But I think there was an. I think at the time the logic was they didn't want to have surveil and scry in the same set at the same time. But now they've just gone. Yeah, no, we're actually just going to do this. <laughs> so uh, if you see them, yeah, they had at the time creatures that triggered off because surveil was a mechanic that came out in 
Guilds of Ravnica, I think, and it was had like it a th- rotated or it hadn't yet. Uh, it, it may it may not have, it, like they may not have been in, in standard at the same time, but yeah. it was surveil was a mechanic that was specific. It was like landfall it was a mechanic yeah, that was, was specific to a set, yep. and so yeah, that's why they were like, no, no, this is a this is a plane specific. specific, yeah, or plane specific mechanic, yep. and everyone else is just like. Okay, but why? Because yeah, you had cards like to be a spy bug where the the text says whenever you surveil, do X, and so there was a few different cards that that did that. It was like okay, I can kind of get it. You know, they don't want those things to be over the top because all these things are surveilling. But yeah, it really. But the text doesn't... on consider is so much cleaner when it's like surveil one. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Just surveil card. one, draw a card. Yeah, yeah, like seems seems pretty easy and way yeah. better than. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. It's like, oh, it's so much cleaner. Yeah, same with so search for Escant is another big one that uh, mm-hmm. that's getting the same treatment. And and yeah, it's like at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put it into your graveyard. And then if you've got you know blah blah the rest of the text, but it's like surveil one. Then if you've got seven more cards in your, your graveyard, you could transform it. It mm-hmm. just, yeah, cleans it up. I, I do wonder when they do these sorts of things, though, is this them just going, oh, we've got a ton of cards coming out in sets where we just don't have enough room in the text box to fit, so we need to oh, keyword. We already had the wordiest set of all time. That, like, <laughs> we need a keyword. Yep, yeah. So let's keyword some of these things. That gives us an extra two lines that we can use so that we can fit more text on here to do other things. <laughs> so now well, it's going to be surveil, it, then do 50 other things. Like look, looking back at the magic sets thing, again, there's the link in the, the show notes, but, you know, attacking does not cause Sarah Angel to tap. Yes. You know, like vigilance so like it, they it do this just, periodically right yeah it just yeah, makes yeah, they sense do. yeah 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 so I, I think that's fine um i think they missed the convert transform thing here but we won't go over that ground again but uh it's a uh are there any more that you can think of that you know they could they could you know give this treatment to do you think they've missed anything uh i, I don't know no None that jumped to mind immediately. Like, I think we're okay. I'm, I'm sure there's probably something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to see something that, uh, a keyword for if you get this effect, this deals one damage to target player or to, an, to each opponent, that sort of thing. Because there's a lot of those effects and surely probably something you're familiar with. You, you know, you tend to play those type of things. But what's the, there's the 1-3 guy, you know, if you're playing instant or sorcery, gets a... You know. Oh, yeah, the one I'm playing at the moment in, in yeah. standard, the, the Kessie right. thing. Yep. I, I got it. I know what it's going to be. Ping one. Ping, <laughs> ping two. Oh, yeah, like that would be that would be great. Yeah. I, I mean, I we mean, got it, we got mill. Like mill was, we did, you know, yeah. uh, it was a term that everyone just used and it was all based off of millstone. And even even other games used the term mill that they've, yep. they've stolen from magic. But yeah, who knows? Uh, ping sounds a bit. It's, no, it's 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 yeah. not. It's, but it is what you say, right? Ping you for dome one. them for one. Dome them. Yeah. Anyway, that's just just a thought. That that's just what came comes to mind. But you know, maybe that's too obscure. Like there's, you know, landfall and surveil are quite specific. So yeah. yeah anyway, that's. Uh, yep. But yeah, it's it's good when they make those changes. It doesn't often happen that they actually go back and update oracle text for for a lot of them usually they just sort of go okay now for this thing we're just going to use this keyword and they don't make a big deal out of it but yeah it's good to see that they've actually made those changes but it's it everything will, like it's right up things. to like erg spawn of turg is in the latest set right he's in yeah, Dominaria. Yeah. so yep. yeah so that, that's great yep cool all right uh yeah and then the rest of those rule changes were random things we don't care about so Speaking of th- random things we don't care about, there is an arena open on this weekend, which is the usual, you know, 
play and get X amount of wins and try and make day two and earn yourself some cash. And what format is it? It's alchemy. Yay. All right, on to the next topic. Cool. So it'd be interesting to see how many people play that. I'm, I'm assuming because there's cash on the line, there will be a, a good turn out of people, but I'm certainly not lining up for that. Are you guys going to play? Not excited at <laughs> Do not I'm currently have try... an alchemy deck built yeah. on Arena. Yeah. Trying to keep my all-time alchemy record to zero. I'm, I think I'm <laughs> doing pretty well on that yeah, one. Actually, I'm trying to think. Have I even played a game of so alchemy? I think I cracker, did for like a mid-week in event or something. Wow, cracker. What a record. Uh, that's that. That's my statement. I'm going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what that means. Uh, yep, Standard's a decent format though, Shorty. Yes, it is. Well, apparently it is. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a, a bit more of a talk about standard. So, Chewy, this is sort of a topic we've had a we've had in the show notes actually for a few weeks. Uh, these this sort of yeah, this is something that we talk-, to talk about. So yeah, yeah, we we had a talk about this leading up to rotation, and uh, there was a lot happening in Magic at the time around rotation because you know we got rotation, and then like Brothers War preview started like about seven seconds later, but uh, it's. With the banning of Meat Hook, it seems like, you know, it's a pretty good time to kind of circle back on it. And we just wanted to talk about, you know, deciding what deck to play after some sort of a shake-up of a a metagame. And we're going to talk about Standard and and today's Standard specifically. But, you know, a lot of what we'll talk about applies to sort of any format whenever there's a a shake-up. Like Modern, when they release another Modern set. Uh, you know, like a Horizon set, or well, that, that's you know, when that happens. It's easy. You just buy all the brand new the cards yeah, from the brand new them. set because they're all yeah. going to be way more powerful than the last ones. So yeah, very <laughs> away you true. go. Very <laughs> true. But uh, but yeah, so just sort of working through some of the you know our processes in uh you know deciding what deck to play and deciding what deck to play without wild cards being a consideration because I knew you guys are like oh, I'm not gonna you know pour heaps of money into this and uh you know i don't want to buy judith's and then have them uh, <laughs> always comes horrible. back to that <laughs> always Just, comes back to judith it still hurts mate yeah uh and and the perfect circle song just plays in the background of my mind every time i say it so you know it's a win-win for me uh so it was one of those things about you know just helping people decide i don't think we really give people specific advice saying you should play this deck, but some things to like consider and how we arrived at the decks that we're playing uh, currently in standard and uh, you know what we think they are good at or what they're doing in the meta uh, that you know warrants playing them. So the first thing uh, is kind of understanding what the format looks like and that is like what what am i playing against what is the meta what are the pillars of, of the format and today there's a whole bunch of you know really great tools like with untapped uh, as the being the arena plugin and uh there's a lot of things that come out of major tournaments like people like consuming information now and it's really readily available so it, you don't have to go too far to find that and as of today uh if you look at the popularity on the arena ladder like 18 and of people are playing esper mid-range so, so you're going to play that like almost one in five matches is this uh, best then, of three or best of one this is best of three cool so yeah uh so yep i do need to qualify that and that's you know people that are you know going to play in a tournament 
right? Like if, if you're signing up for something, you know, if the arena open was sensible and it was standard, not alchemy, you know, or if you're playing in a beans league or, you know, a, you know, some other content creators event or, you know, you've gotten to diamond by jamming best of one. And now you want to actually, you know, break the format and, and burn your way through diamond into mythic and, and climb that ladder. Then most people that do that successfully, uh, play best of three. So, you know, this is, uh, getting ready for tournaments, uh, and, uh, not necessarily just, you know, jamming best of one because, uh, you can play mono red in best of one and skew these numbers just by pure volume of, of, of games played. So this is about efficiency, not volume in that sense. So that's not a slight at mono red, but it's a, you know, I'm so offended. Yeah. 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 You're just shocked, aren't you? Uh, so <laughs> no, it's not legal. No. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, so Grixis midrange is second at uh, just under 12%. Then Rakdos midrange, Five Color Domain has spiked in popularity at 8.5%. Esper Control at 4.4%. So we've got Esper Midrange and Esper Control both in the top five. Then we've got Mono Blue, Mono Red, and Gruul rounding out the top eight most played decks in the uh, in the format. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of black, one big kind of uh, synergy-based domain deck. And then like some monocolored and aggressive decks trying to keep them in check. And the rise of mono red, mono blue, and even the Gruul deck, the Rakdos decks, like Meat Hook being banned, uh, you know, opens things up. And there's argument that that door was always kind of open and people just stayed away from those decks because of the the fear of Meat Hook rather than the actual presence of Meat Hook. And I know, Shorty, you've said that you, you haven't seen a lot of Meat Hook uh, on the ladder, uh, pre-banning, obviously, uh, where others had. So maybe it's, it's you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, recency bias and, and things in our thinking. But uh, from a lot of the lists that we'd seen in the lead up to the ban, they were down to like two copies, right? Yeah, so, a lot of the lists were playing like just two in the sideboard and, and that was kind of it. Yeah. So I, I hadn't seen of- it. Like, I, I mean, I play basically only best of one. So I hadn't seen it for weeks <laughs> I probably played like one one deck that had meat hooks in the main for for weeks it just wasn't it wasn't a thing that existed at all yeah Stu and i looked at that last week and the, yeah. the main one that was playing multiple copies in the main was rakdos sacrifice which wasn't even a hugely represented deck but it was kind of the only one that was playing i think they had three in the main everyone else had there were a couple that had one and then like you said yeah everything else like Stu had been jumping a bunch of esper mid-range and he was just like, yeah, I have two in the board and they don't come in that often. Yeah. So it's, um, so I think like this is a slight tangent, but you know, this is, this is why we're doing this exercise. It's actually looking at the meta and not just, you know, playing the deck that you want to play or playing what is the best deck. Oh, this deck's got the best win rate. I'm going to play it. And that may be the, that may be, you know, the solution, but, uh, you know, it's it's always a good thought exercise to take a look at why you arrive at that deck. So if we look at, you know, all of these black decks and we look at, uh, you know, the Esper decks and, and the 5C decks and, and things, it's, you can kind of go, oh, okay, if people want to like muck around with, um, you know, five color domain stuff, it's going to take a bit of time to set up. So playing, you know, mono red or, or gruel makes sense there, definitely. Uh, if people, and that deck probably 
uh, doesn't perform very well against mono blue tempo. Like, let me do my setup. Let me play my big domain thing. It's like, on my counter that. Uh, so we what we do is we end up with this, like, series of choices and, and the decks that we look at, you know, we they've got their strengths and their weaknesses and trying to find decks that, uh, or cards that, that exploit that. So what you want to do is, like, find some holes in the metagame. And these occur as formats kind of, churn right that's a that's a turn term that we hear a lot like format churn so if the mono red deck is playing a heap of you know playing a heap of games and doing really well uh beating the the five color deck then you know if you played then say like grixis or esper midrange where you can gain some life and you've got lots of blockers and removal and and things then you're going to beat the the mono red decks where you might have a, a bad matchup against the the 5c domain deck because you've made your deck a little slower or you don't have the the interaction that you need so you end up with what we refer to as like a rock paper scissors format and that is that is what i see in in the current standard where you've got things like your esper and grixis decks your bigger decks like your 5c domain and your esper and then you've got your more linear decks like your mono blue mono red and gruel so that's like your i'm not i don't know which one's the rock the paper and the scissors necessarily but um because the mono blue deck's not playing uh in soul artifact so there's not technically scissors but it's a uh finding when the right time to switch and identifying the the right deck to to play so if everybody's just playing 5C domain because, you know, that's getting really popular, what beats that? Because you're going to play on the ladder and you'll play the other decks. But, you know, if you go, okay, that I'm going to play that deck, you know, X times out of every 10 games that I play and I've got a really good matchup against that, how is that going to affect my win percentage versus, you know, playing a different deck that's got a better matchup against, you know, Grixis or, or, or Gruul? So it's a... Uh, a really interesting thought exercise and it's just something that you guys do when when you think about what decks to play and not just standard in in mind you know you're thinking about you know modern and and things like that what what are your thoughts from a metagame perspective cracker pretty much that i mean it depends on where the the churn is coming from so looking at like meat hook as an example where we've had a ban you, you kind of have to look at what made the card be banned Right? Was it that it was just a strict outlier and its power level was just way too high and it just dragged everything along with it? Or like is it Lurus that it was just- Scooter or Skull yeah, no, in the past, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking like recently like Lurus, for example. Th- those decks all got a, a pretty significant nerf when, you know, the, the change happened there. Uh, there's been other things that, that are similar, but then if looking at that and in this case, Meat Hook was the choice, but it wasn't necessarily- <clears throat> uh, like completely busted, right? It, it's a matter of understanding, well, what does the format look like after this? And should I just be playing these decks anyway? And I, I agree with what you're saying about trying to find holes and exploiting them in a game. There's a lot to be said for the machine that is just millions of games of magic that get played. And as smart as you think you are, you're not smarter than the combined might of everyone who plays magic <laughs> right and and the consensus yeah. that that like top level people who you know have been doing this for longer than you or they have more time to dedicate it to to than you do right like you take a look at like crookies for example right 
now he he plays a different deck most days and he you know he just gets to spend all his time thinking about magic and playing it right um in modern there's like aspiring spike or caleb do there's these people who they just get to live and breathe magic and they get to put it through this machine and and what comes out at the end of that is a lot of the time the correct answer now format churn then yeah is great like we can we can kind of look at once the defined deck has come out and we go, all right, Esper Midrange is is the quote unquote best deck in standard at the moment. At that point, yeah, that's when I would look to attack it. But at the same time, sometimes that's just wrong and you should just be accepting that that is just the best deck. And, you know, you, you should look at, you know, the, the the best way to play the best deck, I think. Yeah, and that, that kind of is a good segue to my next point there. But interested, Shorty, so I... Like I would tongue in cheek say that your your approach to a meta game is I'm gonna try mono red and see if that's good enough, and if it's not, I'll play I'll add blue. Is that <laughs> that's that, that's your mo, right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I do that's say that. me, mate. Other other that's way backwards. <laughs> I, I play mono blue, and if that's yeah, not good enough, I look at adding blue. red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think whether you know, I start with the red and add the blue, you start with the blue and yeah. add the red. We Correct. both end up in the same spot. Exactly. Neither of us do any good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, so, like part of that is is also like the constraints of wildcards. Like I know you you're sort of talking about this from a, a perspective of ignore the wildcard factor or the money factor or anything like that. But there the, that is a reality in people's people's deck choices. So you you do have to take that into consideration. And yeah, both Cracker and I are both in spots where. I've got the red cards, so that's where I start every time there's a new set or a rotation or whatever. Cracker's got the blue cards, so he starts there and, and we sort of go from there because branching out into, you know, an Esper deck or a Grixis deck or something like that means I have to spend like 30 wild cards just on a mana base that, that I, I just don't have. And, and it's the same if I was to play in paper, I would need to be yeah spending money on triomes and, and all that sort of thing. So that, that, that's definitely a consideration. But yeah, for me, generally... I start on Mono Red. It's, it's a deck that I, I really enjoy playing. And I've found over the years that, like, this is just something from me. This is something that's generally accurate across the board. In a brand new metagame where people don't know what to play, being the fast, aggressive decks is kind of where you want to be. Unless there's something really obvious that, uh, you know, really obvious, powerful synergy or something like that, and it just flat out beats uh, small, aggressive decks being aggressive is a good place to start you you don't often want to be playing you know blue white control in week one of a new format because well you don't know what you're controlling yeah right? exactly yeah, so, you, you d- yeah you don't know what answers you need for what's happening in the metagame so you're better off asking all the questions and then people will figure out what to do the and difference this- with that though is what cracker was saying about before there is just so many games that get played so quickly on arena that within two days there is a defined metagame and there is, you know, this deck is performing really well and, and we have access to that data. You know, you can jump on untapped and go, okay, well, what's the most winning deck today? What's the most popular deck today? And, and you can just sort of go from there, but which th- is that, something we never had before. A, that is an opportunity for exploitation though because people jump on untapped and they go, what is the most winningest deck? You know, uh, what is the most winningest card? And I'm, I'm going to play those. So what you end up with is people with, you know, 70 of the same 75 all like running into each other in the, uh, uh, in, in the ladder. So what you can do is go, okay, I'm going to play Esper mid range and I'm going to play against the mirror, like 20, 
percent yeah, you've got of the nearly twenty percent of the meta as as Esper midrange. Exactly. So yeah. one in so, five matches, roughly, you're going to be playing against Esper midrange. So, so there's an opportunity yeah. there to exploit that. How do I change my deck to beat the mirror? Yep. So. Uh, you know, what what cards come in? Do I want to play more counter magic? Do I want to play more hand disruption? Do I want to play more removal? Different answers based on on different decks and and things depending on what the sort of the top dog is. Yeah. But you know, and being the bigger mid range deck, that makes sense. But then if people then go, okay, Esper's now getting more and more uh bigger. It's getting bigger and slower and turning more into Esper control. Then it's time to jump on onto mono red again. So this is about you know, not just necessarily picking a deck for a season and just playing it ad nauseum. It's about identifying, you know, shifts and in in the not necessarily which is the best deck, but it's like, okay, people aren't playing Meat Hook anymore. You know, maybe I can be more aggressive. So uh for example, the I've been playing green white enchantments and I was absolutely crushing everybody until the black base deck started playing destroy evil as a really cheap answer to either leyline binding or sheldred. Uh, it also hits my hallowed hauntings. So my win, win rate, the it flattened out, it plateaued because of the amount of people playing the, uh, playing that. And then people kind of then started cutting their numbers down and, and moving to the more Esper answers, you know, in, in more, you know, counter magic for, um, for Sheldred or, or other answers. And then my win rate went up again, but in that time when it plateaued, you know, I could have looked at something and gone, okay, this deck's taking a dip right now because of this, the prevalence of this one common, uh, what can I do to, to beat that? And, you know, I could have played like a Gruul deck and just not had, you know, well, had one enchantment in Kamano Faces Kakazan and no creatures with Toughness 4, and then they've just got a dead card, right? So uh, there's ways to, you know, exploit it within the metagame, not just at a, like, which deck do I play level, but, uh, you yeah, know... what type of cards do I play? What, what yeah, ca- like, yeah, what cards do I play? Well, you're also talking about pivoting, like, week to week based on, on yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or preparing for a specific tournament. Like, what deck yeah. do I yeah. play? Yeah, in that, this that's tournament? what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can like you can look at like that that popularity on best of three on Untapped. So yeah, you've got Esper on eighteen point five, Grixis mid range eleven point eight, Rakdos mid range nine percent. So you take those top three decks that are all mid range decks that are reasonably similar. Like they're, they're playing similar removal spells, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> so. they've all got shoulder. They've all got make disappear, except for the Rakdos one. Yeah, the the red ones are playing Fable. Like they're they're doing similar things, but they're all the same style of deck. If you add those three up, you've got like forty percent of the metagame. So you can go, okay, well, if I jump on best of three ladder today, forty percent of the time I'm going to play against one of these three mid range decks. What's the deck to beat those? And yeah, maybe it is Gruul, or maybe it is uh, Enchantments, or or something like that. And and that's you know ha- having a bit more knowledge in the format, or having podcasts to listen to or things like that that where people will actually tell you what decks to play or what decks beat what uh can be quite helpful but you know there's heaps of tools out there you know untapped gives you if, if you've got the premium version which chewy has you know gives you the the win percentages of this deck versus this deck and and things like that so yeah if you look at the meta and go this is what i'm going to be playing today or this is what's popular this week well okay i'll make that switch i'll play gruel aggro and I'll play that for the week, and then you know the next week the meta changes and the percentages change and it evens out, or mono blue starts to become the top deck or whatever, and then you go okay, well now I've got this deck that can beat beat those ones. 
So that point that you just made is exactly how I arrived at playing the Green White Enchantments deck. Because the Esper Grixis Rakdos decks out there all have a lot of trouble beating a resolved Hallowed Haunting. And yes, it's a four mana enchantment that I have to play, but I know that is my most important card. So I'm going to play my games with resolving that as my priority. Because uh, I know once I've got that to stick, I can snowball and and beat them. The Esper deck can, you know, throw a spanner in the works with things like Farewell. But, you know, that's just, that's, you know, sometimes I would sit down to play uh, some modern uh, with affinity and someone would just turn to stony silence me and you know sometimes that that happens silver bullets exist sometimes but- people play chalice on zero <laughs> sometimes people play Hercules recall in the main deck and- <laughs> yeah yeah that too that's Polly it Waffle? But th- th- yeah th- luckily those people are very very rare and you know people are generally better humans than that but um i'm, I'm kidding Polly Waffle. i love you uh but uh yes that that, that, that there are outliers absolutely but I found that if I resolve a Hallowed Haunting against any of those three decks that are listed here, you know, they're, they're the games that I most often win. So it's, uh, and then you look at the rest of the metagame and you go like, okay, Esper Control and 5C Domain, a bit rough. Uh, mono Blue, I, I think I've got like a 45% win rate, but I'm positive then against Mono Red and Gruel because I've got, like Katildas, like giant life linkers and, and things, and I can uh, kind of outgrind them and gain enough life and then eventually take over. And that's, I, we, I did that on stream against Pijor, um this week where he uh, got me down quite low, but then I was just able to kind of turn the corner. So that's how I arrived at Green White Enchantments. Uh, am I recommending Green White Enchantments? A little bit, but I'm not saying it's the best deck and kind of the, the, the panacea for the format. But that is how I arrived at that particular deck to play in the current meta. So uh, it's a, uh, I could see, you know, playing the mirror uh, and, and beating the mirror. I can see playing decks to, to get under them. I can see playing things like Rakdos midrange and having, you know, being out, being able to just out grind and out card advantage the, the control decks and, and things like that as well. Like they're all viable strategies, but that that's just the one that I, I chose. So uh, that's, uh, and, and it's been working so far. So it's, uh, you know, it, it had that one plateau and, and I'm sure it'll have plateaus and dips, you know, if I was to continue playing it at the moment, I'm still enjoying it, but you know, the, the mono blue deck, uh, you know, if we see the control decks uh, and the domain decks go up in popularity, I've got my eye very closely on that as well. And I know that's a deck you've been playing, Cracker. Uh, mm-hmm. So you would rather play against sort of a, a slower, you know, one spell per turn deck than playing, you know, against a, an aggressive red deck, right? Yeah. So I guess in, in league matches, I, I just played against J-Mud and I was saying to you the other night, I just hard lose to Evolved Sleeper. Like, I just can't beat that card. <laughs> like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's a one drop, so I have no chance to counter it. And then, like, it's just a inbuilt card advantage engine or, you know, it's a Death Toucher. And, like, it's just, he literally just, he played two of them on one turn and then just went, okay, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to lose. Like, I can, I can fading hope them or I can, you know, like, I can do something and, and like, buy a turn. But I just could not get my, you know, couldn't get the deck underneath me to, to do what I wanted. Now, 
today, I, admittedly, I changed up the deck a bit in terms of the, 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 the actual game plan, but I was playing against um, Linden and he was on Esper Control. And like, it's just, it's such a different thing to, to play against when he's like, you know, flashing a wandering emperor. I'm like, okay, I can like spell pierce it or I can, you know, he was trying to exile my attacking creature and I, I could slip through space. And like, there's just so many different things that I can do where, yeah, exactly. Like the decks that are playing like one or two things a turn, uh, I, I, I was, it's like, oh, do we have to ban meat hook? Like, I'm kind of happy when people tap out to, <laughs> to do that against me. It doesn't work very well. So, you know, like I'm, I'm never sad to see that. So yeah, the, but uh, yeah, it's, there's definitely pros and cons and like, yeah, mono blue has at different times been like easily the best deck in standard and other times just, stone unplayable and it usually sits somewhere closer to that end of the spectrum <laughs> but if we see if we see the mid-range decks at the top of the the list here go bigger uh to you know play more counter magic to beat the mirror then like that opens the door it, for, it does yeah. it does it, it it can just be hard like the each individual card does so much now in in standard like just in modern magic in so magic, like yeah, yeah. yeah like you just the way that you would do well with mono blue was just to you know play a threat protect it end of turn you know play a card or a spell and kind of just keep in front that way but you're never kind of up a lot in resources it walks you know, a you, fine line doesn't it yeah yeah it does whereas if you just resolve a titan like i just lose to that <laughs> like it's just <laughs> there's so much cardboard in that and like if you've you know in in the jund deck that's like buying it back and stuff i just like oh there's a, a saga here that i didn't realize i had to counter because at the next turn it just reanimates this thing that you pitched to your fable and it's just like every card is kind of a must deal with threat so so i started playing i started this standard by going oh, i'm going to reanimate titans and then copy them with fable of the mirror breaker and that's yeah. going to be super fun but then like 40 percent 50 percent of the decks in standard are all playing graveyard trespasser and yeah that's true like, yeah people people have got some you know some bravery about them by uh you know running you know reanimation into into a format of trespassers like it it is you know if it's not the it'd be one of the most played cards you know just on numbers in in the format right so yeah it's uh like sometimes look that happens but yeah i i just think it's an interesting interesting discussion uh like shorty kind of like he hit the nail on the head there with um, you know, finding what works against those decks. And I found that, yeah, Hallowed Haunting, Hallowed Haunting, because you don't need to even resolve spells necessarily after uh, after you resolve a Haunting. Um, you know, Shorty's like, oh, okay, I'll try to get under them. Uh, and and then, you know, you're, you're trying to out-tempo them. So they're all viable ways. And, you know, each of those will have different strength against different cards and strategies and things along the way. But yeah, I just think it's a... Uh, that next layer down of what deck do I play? It's more of like, okay, I want to play this archetype. What tweaks do I make week to week? Uh, how do I win the mirror if I'm expecting to, to play that uh, rather than just like copy pasting uh, from, from untapped data. So uh, just, yeah, a worthwhile consideration and, and it's a really good thought exercise. And, uh, you know, people will arrive at different uh different things because some you know i'm not interested in playing mono red at the moment you know it's, it's not a deck that 
you know, excites me. Uh, I loved mono red when I could do stupid stuff with, um, you know, the uh, runaway steam kit. Stinking. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just as a, you know, at the mercy of the top of my deck, uh, turning guys sideways, like that's not the mood I'm in. There's definitely times where I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that, but that's not where I'm at at the moment. So whilst I've identified, you know, red based aggressive decks as something that could definitely, uh, be a good choice in the meta. Uh, it's not, it's not what, you know, it's not tickling me at the moment. Right. And then I'm more in the mood to beat them rather than join them, uh, in that sense as well. So yeah, that's how I arrived at my list. Uh, Stu went, oh, SPB range. That's really popular. I'll, I'll play that and I'll, you know, try to solve the, uh, the mirror match puzzle. So, you know, different, uh, there are different approaches. There's no real right or wrong, but I think it's a thinking that one layer deeper rather than just grabbing the best deck is something that we we need to do. So yeah, well, that yeah. that was something that uh, we used to get a lot in paper. Like when we had a lot of coverage, you know, there was SCG events every single weekend. We had the Pro Tour, all that sort of stuff. You you just always had deck lists and top eights and top thirty twos, all that sort of stuff from pretty high level tournaments you know the, the players that were grinding those scg events every single weekend they were they're really good players yeah. and so you would take you know, the sort of the level level one or level zero or whatever was to go oh there's an scg event on the weekend oh it was won by es- esper midrange well that must be the best deck all right cool i'll i'll take that and then that's what i'll run but the people who were actually playing in those events every single week they were looking at all right, what was the meta for the event we just played? What are the popular decks? What's What are people going to play next week based off of what was played this week? And, and then they would figure out what yeah. yeah what beats that deck, and then they would come with that deck, and that would win because yeah they were you know the masses would go with just what is the top deck and what's the most winning deck and and that sort of thing, and then they would be thinking the next level or the the level beyond that as to you know what beats that deck. You know if if mono red won that that week, they'd go okay. Well, you're going to get a lot of people that go well mono red won, so I'm going to bring green white angels life gain and so then they would be looking at okay well if heaps of people turn up with either mono red or green white angels what are we bringing that beats those two decks and then they would come with that and then they would win and and then that would then churn the metagame even more with arena just with the volume of games that are played now like like i'm i just brought up the like untapped standard meta for, for best of one and between the top deck for its win rate today, Mono White Aggro and Esper Midrange, who's the eighth deck, there's like 6% difference in win rate. <laughs> so <laughs> like anything that gets played a lot is just going to have a 50-ish percent win rate. Like that's just kind of how it works just through the, the volume of games that, that get played. Any of those top decks are good decks and are viable. So actually like boiling that down to a tight metagame is, is quite hard. Uh, and and even the be, like best of one meta, it's like the top deck is ten percent, the like eighth deck is three percent. There's not a huge difference there, but best of three is is slightly different. So it changes, and then we don't get the yeah we don't get the huge deck dumps because we don't have those big weekend events and we don't have the PTs to to set the meta and, and all that sort of stuff. So it, I think it is much harder to to actually figure out what deck to play now than it, it was you know three years ago when. Uh, when we had different sets of data and then and then it was totally different going back you know 15 20 years ago where there you know it wasn't even net be- net decking and you just kind of played whatever your local yeah i think it's a really interesting point 
Uh, and and I think you know it, it's impossible to stay that like step ahead like those SCG players or, or the pros that you're referring to. But I I still think it's a worthwhile like it will increase your win percentage by thinking about this and and applying that. And you won't always get it right, but uh, you will become a better player and you will have a higher win rate and a better deck builder if you if you do think that one layer down. But you're not going to just crush like you're not gonna uh you know go light bulb moment i'm gonna play um uh, like blue green stompy right whatever yeah you're not gonna find a deck that just beats everything because there's way too many people out there who are full-time magic players who would have already thought of that and tried it and found it doesn't work so exactly right but what you can do is that one level one level down within the confines of that defined metagame you can still find advantages because a lot of people will be just will be copy pasting those those lists they will be you know fundamentally net decking so you know what you're going up against but you know you can play the odds and go okay i'm going to play a lot of SME range they play a lot of this card how can i exploit that and and finding that um finding that um last point for me is if you are playing best of one uh and there is a new um a new meta or a, or a shake-up, and, and you alluded to this, Shorty, but it, I just want to reiterate because it, it is really good advice, is just be aggressive, ask the question, and I can think of a dozen pro tours uh, that are you know, two weeks after a, a format is uh, is rotated. Uh, you uh, They're won by red-based decks, you know, aggressive decks, and, you know, it, then you look at the format, you know, a month later, and red's not even on the radar, but... You know, people are trying new things. You've got these unrefined lists and people rock up with, you know, red decks. And, you know, in week one of the meta, uh, of the meta, then, yeah, being as aggressive as possible. And as I said earlier as well, aggressive games tend to be faster. So you can play this, play more games in the same amount of time. So even if your win rate's slightly slower, uh, you're still going to progress in the same time. You may need more matches, but you're playing more matches in the same amount of time. So uh, definitely recommend being aggressive. So any other thoughts on this topic? I think there's a lot to be said for just mastery as well. And like with the the economy that Arena provides, just if you go, I am locked into Esper, like just knowing your game plan better than anyone else and like the people that will chop and change even though you might hop from the best deck to the best deck week to week they don't have the the games under their belt to play them optimally so you can play a suboptimal deck at a higher percentage of skill level and and still do really well with it so you know like lean into something that suits your play style and the way you like understanding it like i i love delver decks and i feel like i played tonight and with Delvers, it's just like, it felt like putting on comfortable shoes. Like, I was just like, I know what I'm supposed to do here because I've done this so many times before. So Eldrazi Tron in modern. I, I right, absolutely understand. The, it. Yeah. There's just that sort of thing where you can just kind of slip into it. And if you know, it doesn't, I don't even need to know all the cards in my opponent's deck. I just need to evaluate the position. And I know that from experience of just doing it so many times. So don't feel like you do need to be constantly looking for the new thing. Maybe just look for those small changes you can make where, you know, maybe someone else hasn't thought of them or, you know, because everyone else is looking in another direction. So there, there is still percentage points to be had even within a suboptimal deck through your play. 
And so if that's where you need to focus, then that's where you can focus. So and yeah, I agree. And that's like what I said about Hallowed Haunting. Like if I just yeah, like, 100%. if I just played the optimal like use my mana, uh, adhere to my curve, just played out goldfished my decks, uh, against those decks, I wouldn't have the win rate that I had about just playing around their counter magic and uh, finding my opportunity to cast my Hallowed Haunting. It's like, I want you to uh, cast your sweeper here. Like, I, I'm going to, you know, poke you until you, like, completely, you know, farewell my board. But then I'm going, that means you're tapped out. I can then play a Hallowed Haunting. I'm going to win from there. So it's a... Uh, understanding that play pattern and the and the key cards right so yeah that's uh i think yeah it's a really really valuable and, and valid point cracker it's holding right. lightning strike into lightning strike yeah <laughs> top deck so like a boss I'm, <laughs> that's I'm the three, strategy I'm, all the time so autolycus right i've got this like i'm not even mad about this is worth just shouting out it's total tangent time but I'm three one in in our league and you know we'll segue to our, our league update after my point here but uh, I have an army of 7-7 seven, seven flyers. I've got a 10-10 Katilda. I've got lots of stuff going on. Uh, and Autolycus is dead next turn. I'm on six life. They have one card in hand. I, I ship the turn. And uh, they pause for a moment. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get the concede here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. And he lightning strikes me. I'm like, yep, cute. No worries. And then lightning strikes me again. Top deck the second lightning strike. There's already one in his bin. So he only had two left in his deck. And, uh, yeah, top deck them and, uh, deaded me. So nice top decks, uh, played to his out, which is a whole nother topic. Uh, but you know, his, his previous attack was, I can only win if I get Chewie to six here and I happen to top deck a lightning strike and, and played, played to his outs and, uh, got the W. So, uh, well played auto and it was a, a pretty cool moment. It wasn't even mad. I was just like, well played. That's just, yeah. That's magic sometimes. So, but yeah, that was in our league, which is uh, coming to a close of the group stage, Shorty. Yeah, yep. Yep, we've got uh, just a few days left. Monday night next week, it all needs to be wrapped up. Uh, we're pretty close to being locked in for most groups. There's still a couple that are, that have a few in contention, but I think we're like at least eight players out of the uh, the top 16 locked in, and there's a couple of matches happening tonight as well. I, I think there's a couple of groups that only need, like, one match to be played, and that, that will decide it. So, yeah, get in, get them played, and, uh, yeah, we'll be kicking off the top 16 next week. We'll play the early stages of that, as we usually do over the first week, and then we will do the final stream on Saturday the 5th of November. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be, you know, doing all the usual coverage. We'll have some giveaways and all that sort of thing. So should be good. Uh, there's also the the weekly collector booster to give away. So we've given away three of those so far and, yeah, one more to go. So you guys been enjoying this league? I, I haven't played a lot, but it's been good to see everyone else go. <laughs> no, I have so far, you know. I'm, uh, yeah. You? Yeah, I've just got one match to play uh, and uh, I think it's, um, yeah, I've, I've had a, my group's been really enjoyable. I've got, you know, some, you know, previous MV winners and, and some, you know, mythic level competitors and like, there's no easy games. So, you know, you've really got to be on it. And I've been really enjoyed that, that, you know, the, the competitive aspect of it, but everybody's also approaching things in absolutely the right way uh, where, you know, it's all in, in the right spirit 
and everyone's there to win, but, you know, nobody's at least yet <laughs> has gotten salty. So it, it's great. And Shorty, your, you know, league matches on stream every week um, have, uh, have been really good. And when people are playing their matches and streaming to Discord and, you know, giving Shorty the opportunity to commentate on them is a nice point of difference. And it's good to see what other people are playing. And I'm sure people enjoy, you know, going back and watching the VOD of uh, their deck you know, and their plays uh, or them losing or whatever it might be as well. So I've, that's a that's a really fun element of what we do. So I've been enjoying yeah. that. Had a lot of fun with that this week. We got, yeah, we got to see a bunch of different decks on stream. So I think, yeah, as, as we've sort of just been through with the standard metagame, it's in a good spot despite, you know, Black being quite strong and me really not liking Sheldred because it ruins my day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the metagame is, is pretty cool and is pretty diverse and, and there is those opportunities to figure out what to play in the meta and uh, yeah, spike the event. So who knows what's going to happen. We will do the usual breakdown of the deck lists for the top eight on the uh, the podcast before then. So yeah, we'll be interested to see what we get. We might get another one of those ones where we get eight different decks for our top eight. We've had those quite a few times, which is pretty cool. So I think that's going to do us for tonight. We're back to our usual over an hour <laughs> Length of, of podcast. It's <laughs> right. It makes it easy when you're back, too, you, because I have less editing of my own audio to do. It's uh, just a whole bunch of silence, which is nice. Uh, it's difficult for me to find like a big section to like put the noise deadening in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. All right. So uh, yeah, just the usual wrap up. If you want to get in on all the different things that we do, or you want to find us in any of our places buy stuff from a merch store or go and check out our sponsor. You can just find links for all of that stuff at magicbeanscast.com. So head over there and yeah, go and check us out. Give us a like, give us a follow, go and join the Facebook group, all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, come and hang out in our discord. So everything there, magicbeanscast.com. If you would like to find me to uh, talk to me about anything specific, you can find me on Twitter at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time.